0: To Subtext and Discourse, I'm your host, Michael Dooney, owner and director of Berlin-Based Gallery for Contemporary Art, Jarvis Dooney. For those listening for the first time, I hope, through this podcast, to shed some light on the art world and industry through conversations with artists, curators, collectors and other participants in the field willing to share their experiences. For the first episode of 2020, I'll be speaking with Maria Gradia de Pedro, Among her many roles and responsibilities, Maria is the director of Jose de la Fuente Gallery, co-founder of Hiato Projects, fundraiser officer for Vessel, the editor at Daily Lazy, and guest lecturer at URJC Spain. I first met Maria during Talking Galleries Barcelona, which coincidentally will be happening next week, and we've been in contact since then and often speak about how life is running an art gallery. With that said, I hope you enjoy hearing our conversation. You're active in a lot of different areas, but were you ever an artist as well? Yes. Would you say that was your yeah. entry into the art world, or?
1: Yeah, yeah. So my parents took me when I was a child to painting lessons, mm-hmm. and I guess that uh, was the result from what I decided that I wanted to study fine arts uh, because I wanted to become an artist. So I did the degree in fine arts and. In Spain, we have four years. Of the third year of my degree, I went to Italy for an Erasmus exchange. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I decided that uh, I felt more confident uh, working with other with the artworks of my colleagues were producing instead of doing my own works. So after that year, I came back to Spain to finish the degree. And it was more like a curatorial project about Different artworks, layout, exhibition design. Mm-hmm. So from that point, I stopped producing. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not painting anymore. Is the question so many people ask me. So
0: do you ever miss it? I wish you could still do it sometimes.
1: Uh, no, no, no. Mm, I guess it's uh, fulfilled now with uh, the artworks my artists are doing.
0: Yeah. So I don't
1: have uh, any no. I, I go to exhibitions and I think I I fill the that gap with visiting exhibitions and an art fair artist studios. I really enjoy artist studios because you can see the person, not, not only the the canvas in a gallery or white cube. When you see the studio you can you can see so many things from
0: the artists. So did you do the masters directly after doing the like the bachelor's studies?
1: Uh no. Well, More or less. So after I finished my degree, I moved to Italy for a Leonardo exchange. That was something we used to have in Europe that was like six months internship abroad. Mm -hmm. So my first job experience was in a contemporary art gallery in Sicily. And meanwhile, I was working in the gallery. I started uh, to study this master's in art market. So I have like one year of Job exp- work experience in Italy, and after I started the masters, and meanwhile I was living and working in Sicily, and uh, I started to learn about curators, artists, galleries, art market. I felt that uh, for me Sicily was enough, and uh, I wanted that I wanted to learn more, so I moved. To, to London because I thought it was one of the core cities for the contemporary art so I decided uh, after two years working in a gallery in Italy that I wanted to move to
0: to London and did you start directly at, at Waterside Contemporary or you were uh, other places yeah. before
1: yeah I have uh, well a couple of months uh, settled down in London because it's <laughs> a really large city and it's not an easy one, but yeah. After a couple of months in London, I started working with uh, Waterside Contemporary.
0: And how long were you there for?
1: Uh, it was almost two years as well. Yeah, I, I, I have a, I got a call from a Spanish gallery that they offered me an uh, adoration job in a gallery. So I decided to move from UK. So it was more or less before Brexit uh, things <laughs> were <laughs> were happening somehow. But uh, I really enjoyed the experience in London. For me, it was uh, until today the, the experience that uh, I learned uh, more about the art market, about galleries, different types of galleries, different artists. Uh, because we were representing a portfolio of UK and international artists, but they have really uh, relevant political content. So was uh well I learned how difficult it was to to sell political works and I learned a lot how to interact with institutions that at the beginning I was more familiar with private clients and with the political artists and they have are really like multidisciplinary works you you need to approach more institutions foundations so yeah i really i really enjoy and we were doing uh, first like Arco Madrid or we did first Istanbul or Brussels.
0: So it was a really good experience. Wow. So it's quite a learning curve, I guess, going to London after Italy.
1: Uh, yeah, I felt that Italy is, and now that I know more about the market, Italy, Spain, Portugal, all these like sort of Mediterranean countries, we have the same problems and I'm the same level of artists more or less and galleries and but going to london was something really completely different so now every time i i try to go to london every couple of months to see and i realized for example it was funny a couple of weeks ago now in spain we have uh, so many artists working with ceramics Mm -hmm. and in london that was happening probably three years ago and now it's not happening anymore or it's happening, but it's not like before. So you can get sort of uh, new things in London earlier than, than we get in our countries.
0: Really? Wow. Okay. I always wondered that, I guess, coming from Australia, we always saw Europe as where things yeah. were happening first. So even from within Europe, you find going to the UK or to London specifically, yeah, that they're a lot more in front. How is it different culturally as well, I wonder, because I've seen with, I suppose, with Arco and other fairs that there seems to be a lot happening anyway within the Spanish-speaking world. Is there almost like two markets parallel? Mm,
1: Well, it's uh, difficult to say. I mean, Arco has a really international, really good reputation. Since since Carlos was directing Arco and now with Maribel, it's uh, really international position and one of i guess i read something was one of the best five mm, art fairs in europe something like that but it's because we get so many international collectors coming to arco mm-hmm. so it's because arco is a really good art fair to Latin americans coming to europe because they really enjoy it because there is it's not only the galleries they have a really uh, vibrant program of uh, VIP activities, museums, artists' studios. So I guess ARCO is good not only because Spanish institutions are buying, it's as well really good because we gather so many international collectors and foundations that really like to come to
0: to Madrid. And so since you left London, you've been based in, are you from Madrid?
1: No, I'm from Zaragoza. It's more or less in between Barcelona and Madrid. So if you put a, li- a line in between the two cities, but I left my hometown when I was 18 because we don't have we well we don't have an artist scene there. We have uh, two three galleries are doing really good work, but uh, the problem is that the municipality is not helping. So a small gallery or even a medium-sized gallery, if you are in the periphery and if you don't have any help. From the municipality or the govern of your region, it's impossible to to have to go to art fairs. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's the same what happened to us. Being in the periphery, Santander is north of Spain. Mm, it's not easy to gather collectors, foundations, curators. All people goes to to Madrid to see the exhibitions, but uh, they don't go to to Santander, for example.
0: No but you were saying they have um, you get support from the city then like Madrid does or Barcelona does to some extent
1: uh, yeah so for example uh, in the, the gallery is, is based in Santander so it's north of Spain mm-hmm. and we get well good help from the municipality for the art fairs if you if, if you go to an art fair with a, with an artist from the region they give you a couple of points more in a sort of like um how can I say, more or less it's like you, you make an application saying that you are going to an art fair mm-hmm. and it depends the the quality, the number of artists, the number of Spanish artists, the number of artists of the region, you get different point marks after you, you apply with uh, how much money you spend and you ask the money you want and obviously after they give you a percentage of that, at least give you the possibility because sometimes it's 40-50% of the money you have spent in an art fair. So that is uh, is really good.
0: Yeah, because I don't know if you'd heard the Berlin or Art Berlin has recently closed. And a lot of the criticism from the galleries was that there wasn't any state support for the fair itself. And yeah, by the sounds of things in Spain or from at least within Madrid, is you're incentivized to show local artists and to bring people from in the region and present their work at the fair so that when international people come to the city, they'll be able to experience the work.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is really, is really good. And it was uh, what happened to my hometown, that the municipality is not, is not giving this money and as well well you know as well because you have a yes. gallery that going to art first is uh, it's not easy because uh, we have so many galleries really good quality of artists and they are not so many collectors so <laughs> it's uh, if you don't have other helps other incomes it's is difficult to to approach uh, art first so i guess in spain we have ministry of culture that uh, they help us to do international art first too so at least we have a couple of good supports that help galleries and they have a really nice list of galleries they will support you like art basel fries art brussels they they know exactly which are the art are really are good in the international art scene
0: yeah. So in Santander, you're working at Jose de la Fuente, if I'm saying it correctly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you the director? Yeah. yeah. And how long have you been there for?
1: It's uh, almost two, two, uh, two years and a half. Is that
0: since you left London? You went directly to.
1: No, I, I did an experience in another gallery, but they closed. So, yeah. But more or less, it's the, the first experience I, I get since I came back from London. But uh, I'm, I knew already the owner of the gallery because we were doing similar art fairs. We were Spanish, so we were meeting at the art fairs always and speaking about how the, how the art fair went and all those things. So I, I knew already the gallery and the artists the gallery were representing. So I felt uh, for me it's that I have been working for a gallery for more than two or three years yeah.
0: now. Looking at the program and even... They're a mid-level gallery, I think, based on the art fairs that you participate at. Would you say you're yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, Personally, um,
0: so it's difficult with the rankings, I suppose, when they say small, mid-level, large, mega and the different ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say that. That probably closed me some doors, but I'm, I'm not interested in a blue chip gallery. I really like medium-sized galleries. With medium team that you are not 30, 40 people working in the gallery, because I like to speak with the artists at the same time. I like being in charge of the exhibition design and speaking with collectors. Mm-hmm. So if you work in a really large gallery, you do one thing and you don't get to know the artists probably, or you don't get to know the collectors or go into to the art first. So, the gallery opens in two thousand and seven, but with a different name and In two thousand and fourteen, Jose that is the owner decided to reshape the gallery because obviously, after a couple of years, he wanted to redefine the direction of the gallery and, and started to work with more international artists so let's say that now the gallery it's almost five years. Uh, we have been working with national and international artists. We have a lot of Latin Americans, but I guess was as well before of easy communication way because they speak Spanish as well. So for the founder, it was a good point to, to do all that. And we have been doing art in Bogota, the art fair, and it was good for us to expand towards Latin America. But last year we stopped and we were seeing now more in the European art scene. So, for example, we participated at CODE in Copenhagen. We were doing more international art events like uh, Art Lisbon, for example.
0: Oh, and we were at Loop together last year as well? Yeah.
1: This, well, last year, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Last year, yeah. yeah, last year it is now, yeah, yeah. couple of days last year.
0: How do you feel? I guess you've been in the art world quite a number of years now. And if I think when I started my gallery in 2013, becoming more aware of the market how do you feel that it has changed in the last sort of five ten years
1: the digitalization now of the art our, our market i think is something that uh, revitalized the art world in the last years. it's true that for example now i know more than what i knew seven years ago when i started obviously so for me now it's all different but i guess now if you don't have a really good communication channels through internet. You are not in the art market, and uh, it was happened to uh, a gallery in the periphery. But I guess it's the same for the gallery in Madrid, Berlin, or London, because you have more galleries in the same city, and you need to be the good one or the one that is all the time in, in the press and social media. So I guess for us, for example, social media is a Tool that we use every day in order to share what, what we are doing because people cannot come to the gallery every month or every year to visit us because we are not in the center. For us, the good photos, the good communication press, uh, articles in magazines are our communication channels
0: to tell people what
1: we are doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you still say that fairs are very essential? Well, that is a difficult question.
1: Uh, I think that for us, our workers, um, and as you say, medium-sized galleries, we are Australian for the position in the big art fairs. We go there, and after we have these titans that they coach the, ma- the main attention. For our gallery model, we like to do some big fairs, like uh, Arco, for example. But we really enjoy doing other small ones, like, for example, propositions in in Brussels, because when you do one of the small ones, you don't have that risk that you have when, when you do a large art fair and you can do different things. And when you are not uh, risking a lot of thousands, you can tell the artists to make a different proposal that can be more attractive to, to the people. I'm not sure about what is happening with the future of art fairs because I have been speaking with some art colleagues, uh, galleries the last couple of months asking about which are the art fairs they are applying for, for the next, or for uh, the year we are now, not to 2020. Some of them are really thinking about other collaborative proposals. So instead of going to art fairs to try to make alliances with uh, other galleries. So it's what for example, we do in the gallery, we have a project called Orbital Projects that every year we do a collaboration with a gallery or well, gallery curator or artist-run space abroad. And we move the gallery for a bit to another country. So for example, now we have an exhibition in Turin, in Italy. It's a collaboration with a uh, peak Gallery. So they have two floors. They have their exhibition by Jean Moucher in the first floor. And in the second floor, uh, we have uh, our exhibition social by Bianca Bondi that is uh, around 120 square meters of exhibition. And we opened the week that uh, Artissima Art Fair opened in Turin. So we took the opportunity that so many collectors were in Turin for the fair. We have the opportunity of going to the events of th- that the fair was organizing. We have that opportunity and at the same time now the exhibition it's on until 25th of January. So the exhibition was not as short as an art fair that you have only one week and you need to fight with the other galleries and well, let's say fight but I mean... <laughs> compete. Com- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> compete. But... It's, it's more difficult to get some press if you are one week, one hundred galleries in the same space that if you do an exhibition for three months long. So it's a project. For example, last year we did in Cologne with Cooper Casting Gallery, we did a collaboration exhibition of two year, two months. Sorry, uh, during DC Open, that is this Düsseldorf Cologne event. So we were part in the catalog of Düsseldorf Cologne. We have collect groups of collectors, groups of art writers coming to the gallery. So we always try to do the art first, but in at the same time, do other collaborative
0: projects. Yeah. Do you feel that's becoming more necessary for galleries now to stay relevant and to keep people's attention?
1: I think now galleries, they need to collaborate in between them. That in this moment that probably people are looking a lot to this big galleries, to these blue chip galleries, the the medium ones and the small ones even. We need to discover how we can collaborate in between galleries. And it's what we see in projects like in london or or i spoke with um, some friends last week and they say oh we are sharing the booth the two galleries because you know if not it's really expensive but if you do with a gallery you have similar program or you share an artist it's easier and you can uh, take the opportunity of meet the contacts the other gallery has i think now for me the The world for the artwork needs to be like collaborative, that we need to speak because we all more or less are facing the same problems. It's like uh, we need to speak because sometimes we are afraid like, oh, we cannot say the fair went really bad because, you know, how people is going to think. If after we are all approaching the same problems, we can probably find not solutions, but (laughs) like uh, better ways to understand how we can improve our gallery program or where do we need to invest the money? Because the art fairs are always for this CV sometimes that, oh, they were at freeze or they were, but you cannot go to freeze and be in one year, like without money to do your program. Yeah. So it's not that you go there, but after life continues. So it's really risky. Uh, I think the fairs now we see that, they are shaping. they are changing. I saw that now, for example, our Brussels, they introduce a new section with, um, I cannot remember now exactly how it's called, but it was something like galleries slash project spaces, digital spaces, and they include uh, six spaces that... Some of them, they don't have a space.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, they did that at Art Berlin last year. But I mean, Art Berlin is cancelled now, unfortunately. But they had a small section as well. It's kind of, let's just call them new model spaces. So they didn't have a permanent exhibition room, but they might have had an office or a publication. And then they just had a small area with those spaces. From the, the few that I spoke to, they said, yeah, it was good to be included in the fair. I suppose we won't ever see how that will evolve for them.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'm um, having a look now at our Brussels website. Side and they say this thing like the section that includes gallery that challenge the traditional gallery model so it's a new section it's uh, as you say they don't need to have a physical space that was their requirement all the art fairs they have that you have four exhibitions five per year you open regularly during the week and now it seems that they are introducing these other things that from my point of view they are completely necessary
0: Parallel to the work that you do as the director of Jose de la Fuente, you're also writing your PhD at the moment. Or have you started your PhD, or you? Um, I started
1: 2017, 2018. Sorry, times pass so fast. So I started 2017, and it was something that was coming from the problems I approached when I was an art student. So I studied in a small university where. The teachers were not teaching us how to be in the market so we were learning a lot how to paint how to make sculptures how to make uh, i don't know drawings paintings but after at the moment we needed to le- to leave the art school uh we didn't know how to approach a gallery we didn't know how to make a portfolio we have no idea about what in design was so Since I finished my degree in 2012 and after with the master's in 2014, I realized that I didn't want to be an artist because I felt as well we were missing so many information in order how to be an artist. So when I did my master's, I did the final thesis of the master about the emerging art market in Spain. And now when I started two years ago, the the PhD, that hopefully will finish in a couple of years too. Um, What's more like uh, to find new strategies for artists in order to enter in the market? So as uh, now being a director of a gallery, we are receiving everyday emails from, from artists that I'm sure happen to you too, that they want to have an exhibition, they want to give us, their artworks. For an artist, the artworks are like their tiles. I'm not giving my tiles to someone I don't know. And what I'm doing, artists sometimes are like spamming because they cannot spend time writing to every single gallery, different emails. So they don't have a look if uh, you are a gallery that works conceptual, political, minimal, and they are doing realism. So the, the PhD is more what I'm looking now, I'm in a stage that um, I'm having a look, uh, which are the differences in between some universities in Europe. So, for example, they have universities in Holland, uh, London, Paris. They teach you how to sell your work. They teach you uh, how to speak about your work. They tell you you don't ask the gallery, you go, you visit the exhibitions to the to the gallery, you meet other artists and you never approach the gallery. So what I, I'm doing now is to discover which are the artists they have been learning in these art schools in comparison with the artists they have been learning in other universities. Like, for example, uh, the university I studied that um, we don't have artists of my generation because they... Nobody teaches how to how to enter in the market. So after a couple of years, you change and you decided to work in another style. So it's uh, it's more like a, I'm creating a guidebook for artists inside of my PhD in order to teach them the things they don't need to do and the things they need to learn how to do. So how to make an easy website, how to communicate, because sometimes I really like an artwork and I'm sure it happens to you too. And after when you try to speak with the artist, the artist doesn't know how to speak about the artwork. So it's important to transmit because if the artist knows about what he's speaking, uh, after it's easy to sell and all goes in a row.
0: That reminds me, actually, speaking to some of the artists about this, that in my experience, there still seems to be a negative perception around galleries, that they need a gallery, but they don't want to necessarily work with the gallery because they feel that the gallery's taking something away from them or that they'll be taken advantage of, and they don't. Um, maybe they don't understand the differences in the roles and how it's important to work together and have a good collaborative relationship for both parties to succeed.
1: Yeah, I I guess it's. I have been learning in a university where 90-90% of the teachers, they were artists that they were not successful. They were not in the market. And I have been hearing for all four years long, the galleries are bad. The galleries take your, your money. The galleries take you 50%. That is a lot. Don't go with the galleries. And it's funny for me because I am the result of all these comments that don't go with the galleries. Galleries steal your money. And suddenly after I finished my degree of not going with galleries, I started with a gallery. And now they are almost seven years that I'm working always with galleries. And I remember the first time I came back to my university was when I was, living in italy they invite me for a talk and the first time i say you know sometimes 50 percent that the gallery takes is not enough,
0: enough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so and and the students were like shocked because they have these teachers still that they are telling them all oh, galleries takes you so much time and i say, you know you need to be in the two parts of of the art market so for sure artists they work a lot in the studio so many hours and they need to make website they need to make their profile now with instagram and all this stuff but i say you know when you work inside a gallery and you see how much money you invest in your employees in the art first in the rent in the catalogs and sometimes you think well probably 50 is not enough and yeah i think the teachers from my point of view, they are the ones that they need to change the approach because the teachers are the ones are telling to the future artists that the galleries are bad. Because if after you have a great teacher, for example, I have the opportunity of being in a workshop with Pepo Salazar, the Disney Spanish artist, he did the biennial, uh, the Venice Biennial, a couple of editions ago. And he's a teacher at Parsons a School of Art in Paris. And he told me, you know, when You enter at Parsons. You do the exams to be a teacher there. They ask you things about the market. They ask you, how do you know in the art market curators, critics, collectors? Because they always need professional artists to teach the students. They don't want a PhD doctor in arts from 10,000 universities with really good marks. They want artists that are in the net now and they can tell you what happens, how the invoices work, how you can explain an artwork, how you can deliver something. So that for me was really inspiring because I think we need to have Good teachers in the in our universities. We need to have good artists that teach you wh- where the problems they were facing, so you can learn from the problems. As uh, we we all know, we we learn from the mistakes.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. That's quite reassuring to hear, actually, because my experience has been exactly the same. That all of the lecturers and all of the teachers at the universities are themselves artists that have had less than positive experiences with galleries and then they impose these views upon the students and say the galleries are your enemy when they should be your partner and you should be working together. (laughs) i um, just wondering how much time we have before you have to go. But did you want to mention anything quickly about the parallel activities that you have? Because you're quite busy doing your PhD, you're the director of Jose de la Fuente, you also work at a university, you're fundraising for Vessel in Italy, and you co-founded Hiato, which I guess is a, a project space, where it's also a gallery?
1: It's a, no, it's not uh, for profit, so it's more a contemporary art platform, mm-hmm. digital platform. That I co-founded in 2018 and was mainly with the aim of supporting emerging artists.
0: Did that emerge out of your PhD research?
1: It uh, was connected by uh, Alessandro. Ledo, uh, this he's an artist. We were always speaking about the problems, and as we mentioned, emerging artists are approaching how to reach the gallery, how to make an exhibition. So we decided that we. We knew a lot of artists of our generations and even youngers that they were really interesting. So we started the project in 2018. And at the beginning, we were focusing with one artist per week in the profile and Instagram. So the idea was to create like an online portfolio. And this year, well, sorry, last year already, 2019, we did an exhibition in Madrid with uh, D11, that is uh, another non-profit space in the city. And we did an exhibition in New York with Pablo's Birthday Gallery that they create the first collaborative project in between galleries and non-galleries to uh, speak about the the problem we have been speaking for the last 30 minutes, (laughs) more or less. (laughs) So um, it's more like a platform that, For us, it was important to create a communication with the artists. So with that, I say that we don't take images from the artists and we don't say we are going to feature your work. We contact the artists and we say, if you want to be in the platform, we start the conversation. So we ask the artists to decide six relevant works to create that portfolio Mm -hmm. and after. Sometimes we share with them because uh, we share with them uh, our opinions because they sent us eight artworks. oh, we want your opinion i 'm not able to f- only choose six artworks so for us, it was more like to create a network yeah to expand our network that after living in different countries, to give the possibility of emerging artists and the idea is to continue to to do projects with them, just sometimes to create some exhibitions or talk, some parallel events to speak about um, the
0: matters we were speaking. Yeah. Since you are active on a number of different platforms, and I imagine some artists will probably be hearing you speak in the podcast, what would your advice to them be if they thought, oh, I'm going to contact Maria now and write to her and
1: <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> Well, I guess after what we have been doing, if they contact us, was because they were not hearing properly. <laughs> 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 well, I, ha- I have so many artists. I'm, I'm really happy. I have so many artists, friends. They contact me. Oh, I have a collector wants to buy something for me. I don't know. Mm, how much tell him about the artwork I never sold an artwork so I I really like to have this conversation with artists I'm always uh, super open to speak about which are the the problems they approach every day because it's important to me because I'm trying to find solutions to to these problems or to make easier for them so I guess Obviously, what they need, they cannot do is to approach a gallery straight away. Like for me, what happened, even if you have really great works, if you send me an email without knowing each other saying, I want to exhibit in your gallery, for me, it's already no, you are not going to do that because you don't know how the artwork is working nowadays. It's more like they need to communicate. And as the galleries we are starting doing now, that we speak about our problems and our needs. I think the artists, they need to share their thoughts with other artists, with curators, with uh, critics. So obviously I'm super open to to receive emails about dots uh, about the art market, residencies, open calls, uh, portfolios to give my opinion. But I guess it's because uh, artists need to try too many things before realizing how which is the best portfolio which is the best speech about what they have been doing so after doing mistakes you learn and and you reach the best portfolio the best speech and after galleries are going to contact you is what i'm always saying if you apply to residencies open calls prices after the galleries we are always looking at which artist is in the residency which artist uh, won that prize does the artist have a gallery already no do i want to see the studio so if you are looking around the artwork walking around the open calls the exhibition group shows by curators uh, after the gallery will contact you
0: yeah I think so you need to be active in the field if you're going to events and if you're applying and if you're participating then you'll be people will find out what you're doing and who you are
1: yeah, that that, that is uh, probably you say the the best war. Like to be active is is the best they can do.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we've covered quite a lot. This is a really good chat, Maria. So yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you. And I guess I'm sure we'll cross paths again soon. Yeah. <laughs> In the description below, I've included links to Maria's website, together with social media and a handful of the galleries and initiatives that we spoke about. If you were wondering about the audio, this was the first conversation recorded via Skype, so thanks to Sebastian De La Luz for engineering the sound. As usual, I welcome and encourage any comments, questions and feedback to this episode and others. Please subscribe, and if you do so wish, follow on social media to keep on top of the updates. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. My name's Michael Dooney, and you've been listening to Subtext and Discourse.